Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Today, we're wrapping up our message series called Drift, where we've talk, been talking about the things that cause us to drift away from God. And today, we're talking about a source of drift that personally, I have struggled with more than any of the others. And the truth is, I didn't even realize that this was a source of drift until I was sitting at a conference listening to a speaker one day. Um, I remember I was sitting at a conference in Saddleback, California. I was listening to Rick Warren, who's the pastor at Saddleback Church, one of the five largest churches in America. And the guy, he's an incredible speaker. And so I was listening to him speak, and he was talking about all kinds of things. And he got to a part where he was talking about, you know, people in the church sharing their faith and that kind of thing. And then he said this. He said, when people focus only on themselves, evangelism is the first thing to go. But evangelism is the fire that warms up the church. You know, and as I sat there and I was thinking about that, I realized that he was right. Because I started thinking about seasons in my life. Um, I started thinking about seasons in my life where I was primarily focused on me and just, just learning about Jesus. Not really sharing about Jesus, but just learning about Jesus. And then I thought about other seasons of my life where I really, I, I shared my faith, like with anyone on airplanes, uh, you know, at restaurants, you know, wherever I was going, I was sharing my faith. And I realized, I, in that little epiphany moment in that conference, I realized that the times in my life that I felt the closest to God were not the times that I was learning more, but the times that I was sharing more. Now, don't misunderstand. I, it's not that like, we don't need to learn more about God or about Jesus, okay? We do, but not at the expense of sharing about Jesus or inviting people to church so that they can hear about Jesus. Not at the expense of doing that, because I'm telling you, the times in my life when I have felt the most alive spiritually are the times when, not when I've like learned something new at a conference or at a Bible study or in a sermon, the times that I have felt the most alive spiritually are the times when I have shared about Jesus or invited people to come to church so that they could hear about Jesus. I mean, that's what's been incredible for me. Let me put it like this, and I want you to write this down. This is your first fill in the morning. Write this down. Sometimes we become so focused on living for Jesus that we forget about people living without Jesus. Sometimes we get so focused on living for Jesus that we forget about people who are living without Jesus. And when we do that, we drift. We drift. But here's the thing. We don't drift off into a place of unrighteousness. We drift off to a place of self-righteousness. Because here's what happens typically. You know, we become so concerned about 
you know, living for Jesus that, you know, we don't want to live like the world, and so we tend to kind of back off and isolate ourselves away from the world, and we surround ourselves with only other Christ followers, and so we create that distance between us and other people so that we don't have much interaction with people who are not Christ followers anymore, and after a, se- after a few seasons of that, then we tend to become judgmental of people who aren't living for Jesus or not living for Jesus the way that we are. And so we've drifted away. And I'm telling you, that's the exact same kind of drift that the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day experienced. And those are the people that Jesus openly called to the carpet the most. See, the Pharisees and religious leaders of the day, they didn't realize that they had drifted because they were so concerned with keeping the rules that they forgot that they were supposed to be reaching people. And so they drifted. And if we aren't diligent, we can find ourselves drifting away in the exact same way by, just by not telling other people about Jesus. I'm telling you, friends... Let's not become the kind of church that's so concerned about us going to heaven that the rest of the world can just go to hell. Now, I actually don't think that anybody really wants that. I don't think that anybody really thinks that. But the problem is, is that this form of drift is so hard to diagnose because it hides itself in a form that says, I want to be more righteous and I want to be holy. And so we honestly, we rarely realize that we've drifted. So the best way, you know, to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, that's right, I said it. So the best way to kind of check ourselves is to ask two diagnostic questions. And we get these questions from things that Jesus said when he was looking at a world and looking at people who were far from God. And we know that Jesus never drifted. And so when we look at what he says, that can help us diagnose if we have drifted. So let's talk about these, let's ask these two diagnostic questions, and then we're going to follow them up with three remedies, okay? So here's the first of the two diagnostic questions. Number one is this. Does my heart ever break about the spiritual condition of where I live? Does my heart ever break about the spiritual condition of where I live. Now, to properly understand this next verse, you need to know a little bit of information. So I want you to let, let me set it up for you. And if you ever go to Israel, like you'll get to see this for yourself. So let's go ahead and put up this picture of Jerusalem. This is a picture of the city of Jerusalem. And you'll see from the picture that Jerusalem is actually built on a low rising hill. Okay. Now that's why in the Bible, it always says that you always go up to Jerusalem and you go down from Jerusalem, no matter where you've come from or where you're going. Okay. And the, the temple mount and the temple are built at the, at the start of this low rising on the temple mount is this area that's walled off and, and it's huge by the way, it's 37 acres big. I mean, it's gigantic. And uh, that's the Dome of the Rock mosque that's right there. But in Jesus' day, the temple was right there. Now, and you'll notice the city is built on the hill behind the Temple Mount as the, as the hill rises. That's the rest of the city of Jerusalem. 
Now, I took this picture with my iPhone from the Mount of Olives, okay? The Mount of Olives is just right across from the city of Jerusalem, and Jesus stood on the Mount of Olives, right where I was standing, and he was looking across the Kidron Valley, which is the little low part right there, and he was looking at the city of Jerusalem, and he said some incredibly important words. In fact, the words that we're about to read, Jesus said as he was about to enter Jerusalem for the last time, three days before he was crucified. So look what Jesus says as he's looking at this scene. It says, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You see, Jesus' heart was breaking for people who were living their lives apart from God. I mean, and literally, his heart was breaking over the geographic area where people were living, which is why he cries out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem! So let me ask you, does your heart ever break over the geographic area in which you live? Does your heart ever break over the spiritual condition of this town, of this city? This is a great question to ask to see if, you, if you've drifted. I mean, ask yourself, does my heart ever break over the spiritual condition of this city? You know, when you get on that bridge, you know, at, uh, from I-10 to Grand Parkway, you know, that really tall bridge, when you're going over that really tall bridge and you can literally look out and you can see the landscape of everything in this area, that's a good time to ask yourself, does my heart ever break over the spiritual condition of all I see. Now look, now look, be careful. Like, don't wreck, okay? I'm not saying that. So like, pay attention to what you're doing. But it's a great, it's a great visual to say, does my heart ever break for what I see? I remember um, <clears throat> a few Christmases ago, I was at Katie Mills Mall. Um, I was getting some last minute Christmas gifts for Amy and the kids, so I was there by myself. And I remember I was in the food court and um, I had, you know, just sat down with my food because I got suckered in by that guy who was selling orange chicken on a toothpick. So um, I, was, <laughs> I was sitting in the food court by myself, and I, was, I just looked at this throng of people that were there. And I'm telling you, I just was overcome in that moment because I was just thinking, I wonder how many of these people really know who Jesus is. If these people were to die, would they go to heaven? If they, do they really know who Jesus Christ really is? I'm telling you, I was so bothered by that in that moment that I got up, I went out to my truck, I got a huge stack of invite cards to Christmas Eve service, I went around the food court, I invited everybody there. No, I mean, I didn't know what else to do. I Because I was just so bothered in the moment by what was going on. I, I mean, I, I had to do something. So let me ask you, does your heart ever break over the spiritual condition of where you 
live? It's a great question to ask. But there's also a second question. second question we get from Jesus, and that is this. Do I see the need behind the need? Do I ever see the need behind the need? Now, let me give you the background of this next verse, okay? Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're traveling across the Sea of Galilee. Now, the truth is, the Sea of Galilee is not that big. Like, you can pretty much just see right across it. And so there were a, a group of people on the seashore. They were ch- waiting to see where Jesus was going to land because they were, they were going to run over there and, you know, show up right where he was going to land because they were starving for his teaching. And so they're running around the seashore trying to get where Jesus is going to land. And when Jesus finally does land on the shore, here's what happens. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. You see, look, these, these people, they had needs. They wanted the same things that we want, okay? Like, they wanted, their, they wanted better marriages. They wanted to be better parents. They wanted to, to be happier in life. They wanted more meaning and purpose in life. They wanted a better future. They wanted to be better off financially, emotionally, spiritually. And if they were sick, they wanted to be better off physically. And so when Jesus arrives on the shore and he sees all these people, he doesn't say, you know what, okay, hey, this would be a great time to have a two-day parenting seminar. He, he, he doesn't say, hey, you know what, let's talk about smart ways to manage your money. He doesn't do any of that. Now look, Jesus does talk about their needs. He talks about the issues that they're dealing with, but get this, he always talked about them in terms of a relationship with God. And how that relationship affects those areas of life. So Jesus would say things like, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Because your heavenly father knows what you need before you even ask. Don't prevent the children from coming to me. Because when you come to me, when you come to God, you have to come with the faith of a child. Or maybe you remember this verse from last week where he says, No servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. See, I want you to notice that everything that Jesus taught, it was always in terms of a relationship with God. Because Jesus saw, look, that whatever the issue was, that wasn't their real need. Their real need was a relationship with God. And that relationship with God would provide the answers and the guidance they needed with whatever issue it was that they were dealing with. He could see the need behind the need. Okay, let me illustrate. I brought with me today a pair of x-ray glasses. You guys, anybody ever have one of these when you were a kid? Like I had some when I was a kid. So I got these and uh, they're really cool because, well, they're actually not really cool. They're really cheesy. But when you put them on, um, you can actually, and you hold your hand up to the light, like you can actually see the bones in your hand. In fact, I told my daughter that I was going to have some x-ray glasses in church today. She was like, dad, you can't do that. I was like, why? She's like, because you'll see people's underwear. <laughs> I was like, look, I don't think it actually works that way. And it doesn't, by the way. So anyway, this, I know everybody's so relieved now, right? So, but look, if you hold your hand up to the light, like you can see the bones in your hand. If you, now, if you take them off, all you see is your hand. But if you have them on, you can see the bones inside your hand. I mean, it's really cool. And you know what? 
I wish we had a pair of spiritual x-ray glasses so that we could see the need behind the need. So we could hand these glasses to someone and when they would put them on and hold up their life to the light of Christ, they would see that their real need is not a solution to whatever issue it is that they're facing. They would see that their real need is Jesus Christ. And when they see that their real need is Jesus, that Jesus can provide for them the guidance and the direction necessary to deal with whatever issue it is that they're dealing with. Because see, people think that their real need is you know, for guidance in their marriage, but what they really need is Jesus. You know, they think they need financial help, but they really need Jesus. They think they need help with you know, parenting and career and relationships and decision making and family, you know, whatever. But the truth is what they really need is Jesus. Because Jesus can help guide them and heal them and fix them and direct them and show them a different way. See, that's seeing the need behind the need. So listen, in your conversations with people, do you ever see that? Is that how you view the conversations when somebody's talking to you about their situation? Do you ever see the need behind the need? It's a great diagnostic question to see if we've drifted. Let me give you three remedies. These are your bullet points. Here's the first remedy. I need to pray for a broken heart, a heart like Jesus. I need to pray for a broken heart. And look, this is where you need to start. Start by asking the Lord to break your heart for the community in which you live, to break your heart for this community that your heart would break whenever you just think, honestly, when you ever think about just the sheer numbers of people that live in our area that have no relationship with God, no relationship with Jesus. Now look, I'm not saying that, you know, like you need to just cry every day. I mean, come on, that's not realistic. And we don't get the sense that Jesus cried every day about it. But there were times when his heart broke over the spiritual condition of his town. Pray and ask God to give you that kind of heart, that your heart would break over the spiritual condition of this town. Second thing is this. I need to be active in a small group, both me and my whole family. Now look, if you've been at Parkway Fellowship very long, like you know this, that small groups really are the other half of what we do. You know, we do the Sunday morning service and we do small groups. And you need to be a small, part of a small group because that helps you grow in your faith. And listen, when you're in a small group and you're growing your faith, that means that God will take his heart and will align your heart with his heart. And then the things that break his heart will begin to break your heart as well. The other advantage of being in a small group is because that's where you're going to make friends. But then there's a third benefit of being in a small group that the truth is we don't really talk about very much. But the third benefit is this, is that when someone in your small group is going through an issue or they're dealing with something in their life or in their family and they're talking about it, over time what you will find out and discover and what really everybody in the group will discover that whatever it is that they need to do to bring resolution to that, the root answer is always the same. 
it's Jesus. It always comes back to that relationship with Jesus. And whatever it is that Jesus is asking them to do, challenging them to do, getting them to take that step of faith to just to, to trust him with whatever it is they're asking. And now the specifics of the issue might be different, and I get that. And they are going to be different for everybody depending on what their issue is. But at the root of it, it's always the same. It's Jesus Christ. Because he, through that relationship, provides the guidance and the inspiration and the direction that they need to bring resolution. Everything else is just a temporary fix. So let me ask, let's, let's do this. Both campuses right now, if you, and this, by the way, smart group is not just for you, it's for your kids, it's for your teenagers. So let's do this, both campuses. If you and or your kids are already signed up for a small group, I want you to raise your hand and keep it in the air. Right now, everybody, kids, you, teenagers, in the air. All right, everybody else look around, look around. Like that is most of the room. All right, put your hands down. So if you have not signed up for a small group, sign up today. Sign your kids up today. Look, kids and student small groups have already started for the spring semester, but it's definitely not too late to join in. They've just gotten going. Adults, all our adult groups start next week. So is the perfect time to sign up for a small group. So sign up today or you can sign up online either way. All right. Next, next, go in for 10. Go in for 10. Look, next week we're kicking off a new marriage series. It's called Tying the Knot. Now look, this series is not just for people who are married, but it's also for people who, want, who one day want to be married. It's for people who are engaged to be married. In fact, if marriage is not even on your radar, it's for, the, the, we're going to learn some principles and some guidance from God that will help in any relationship that you are in, any significant relationship that you have. So I'm telling you, it is going to be a fabulous series, and it's through this topic of marriage that God's going to show us how a relationship with Jesus can change every other relationship that we have. So not only do I want you to come, but I want you to invite other people to come. And listen, when you invite other people to come, you are preventing drift in your life. And the way you're preventing drift is because you're saying, God, use me. You're saying, God, use me to bring other people to you. God, my heart breaks for other people in this community just like your heart does. My heart beats for families and marriages and other people in our town just like yours does. So God, use me to reach them. And when you do that, I'm telling you, that prevents drift. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go in for 10. So I've provided for you 10 blanks right there. Um, on your, on your message notes. So what I want you to do right now, I want you to start thinking, I want you to write the names of 10 people that you can, that do not regularly attend church that you can invite to come to this marriage session. Like, okay, no, like right now. Like start writing them down, like right now. Like start writing down the names of 10 people that you can invite to come to this series right now. And maybe ask the Lord to take a moment and help you help bring some people to your mind and start writing them down. Because here is what I can tell you is true about every name that God inspires to you to put down that list. Here's what I can tell you. God is already working on them. God is already working on them from their end to spark something in their heart. And your invitation to come, God might use that just to plant a seed. 
God might use that to spark an interest that perhaps wasn't there before, or God might use that to get them to step across the line of faith because he's already been getting them ready and they're just waiting for an invitation. So go in for 10. I'm telling you, it's gonna be a great series and it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be insightful, it's gonna be enjoyable, but most of all, it's gonna help people find out that a relationship with Jesus is the key to tying the knot. It's gonna be great. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.